The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest today is Ricky Reyes. How's it going, Ricky? Going great. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Um, so, how are you doing um, during this whole pandemic thing? Oh, man. It's like, uh, like Groundhog Day. <laughs> like, it could be Tuesday or Saturday. It's all the same for me. So, it's uh, boring. Say. I mean, you just try to find stuff to do, you know. Try to stay as active as possible. But it's always, uh, it's always still, uh, you know, a little depressing when you, know, you hear, like, the governor say, oh, we're going to on another 30 days, you know, everyone's on lockdown, another 30 days, like, oh man, like, it really lets a lot of wind out of your sails, you know. So, I totally agree uh, with you, um, are, is it difficult, um, to have downtime from the ring, and have you been having withdrawals? I mean, absolutely, like, uh, I don't take time off, I've never taken time off from wrestling, like, um, I just kind of like I need to be around it if anything like uh, so you know if I was injured or something or I wasn't wrestling it's it's like then you know I would be training in the ring at least you know um, or you know helping out or whatever but yeah it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's very annoying to me because I, I like to work constantly that's why I don't take vacations or time off or I don't do any of the any of the you know the whole like oh I'm going on vacation because like nothing's more stressful for me than being away from wrestling. So this is like pretty much the most difficult time of my life. Like knowing that there's you know like there's nothing physically stopping me except the fact that the whole world is on lockdown right now. So it's very annoying. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I'm having withdrawals too. I'm I'm part of an independent. Uh, uh, promotion in Cincinnati, Ohio, called Future Great Wrestling, and I'm I'm part of that as well. And I know how you're feeling too. It's just really hard. Yeah, yeah. But all you can do is just kind of wait it out. You know, like well, the first couple weeks were the worst, and then you know, like the more they keep pushing back the dates to reopen stuff, and when you can have events and so forth, it's like you can't do nothing. You just you know, you just gotta accept it and try to figure something out so you know i just I go to the gym there's a small uh you know a real private small gym that they opened up only to the members and they're not signing anybody up new so it's like you know i go in there and lift weights for a couple of hours and then come home and you know just try to just try to stay as busy as possible but you know it's pretty pretty much worthless because you just kind of sit around it's like what are you getting ready for and then when you know is, is the biggest issue so i mean even promoters and stuff it's like what can you really do you know you can't get a book can't get a building yet you know and then you can't start promoting if you don't have a date you know you can't line up talent if you don't have you know a building and a date so it's like we're all just literally sitting around doing nothing so so what do you think about uh, WWE and AEW uh, using some of their uh, pro wrestlers as uh, the audience members? Um, I really don't think nothing of it, to be honest with you. Uh, like, pro wrestling, you do everything for fan reaction. We're, we're, we're based off off the interaction with, with wrestling fans. We're, we're storytelling. So all that's, you know, it's it's... I guess it's, I mean, obviously it's an idea and it's to try to give the, 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 to give, you know, that impression that there are, there is a reaction there, but it's really, you know, irrelevant when it comes down to it, because if you don't have the fans interacting, you know, cheering and booing and booing and awing, it's, it, what we do is completely irrelevant. It really is. It's, you know, um, other sports like maybe basketball or football even mixed martial arts they can all still happen boxing because the competition is with the opponents right and where we are not so much in competition with our opponents as as we're out there you know 
know, uh, telling a story with our actions. And if you're telling your story with your actions to nobody, then it's very deflating. Like, you know, I, I honestly just feel so bad for, for all the guys and girls that go out there and like, you know, put it all on the line every week. You know, they still got to go out there and, and uh, perform at a, at a top level for nothing. You know, it's, it's like we've all had, if you're, if you've been wrestling for any good amount of time, you've had what, what's called like practice matches, you know, and, and wrestling practice to kind of test the waters to see how, how you how you function and how you move and, and so forth. But uh, you, you, that's difficult. And usually you have a handful of people around kind of applauding, you know, and kind of getting with what you're doing because that's what helps tell you if you're doing it right or if you're doing it wrong is as people kind of react. So I understand AEW's trying and, you know, I mean, it's cute and everything, but it's it's real, It's just as pointless to, to not have anybody there, you know. Like, WWE's not going to do that because they're superstars, not fans. Uh, AEW kind of just makes themselves look like idiots having their quote-unquote superstars, you know, the guys that are supposed to, supposed to be on the same level as WWE wrestlers, out there cheering and booing and kind of like goofing off. Now everything that they put on television kind of looks like a big like, hey, we're just goofing off here, you know, like nothing to see here, you know, just just bad indie guys goofing off on television is what it looks like, you know. So it's like at least WWE's keeping it like, look, we're going to keep the matches shorter, get straight to the point, you know, not so much downtime of a slow uh, build up in the matches, you know, you kind of just kind of give them what they want. Um you know, right up, you know, right away, and they're going to always win the production um, contest, anyways, because they have that type of uh, reach to to have, you know, spectacles, I guess. But um, you, you know, it's pro wrestling should be off. I get why they're not, but if anything should be off, you know, sports based wise, it should be pro wrestling, basketball, football, baseball. They're playing against each other. You know, the competition is with one another, so the fans can, on television, they can still get that that um, that feeling like of, of competition because that's what it is for them. But when you're performing, it's it's much different. You know, Broadway's closed, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, circuses are closed, right? Yeah. Th- those are for fans. It's, I mean, we're in the same we're in the same category as, as those type of things. You know, you don't see Broadway. Well, Broadway's still going on. We're going to tape it and stream it, you know, and no fans are going to be there. They still won't do it. You know, it's like, you know, um, so, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the guys and girls are still getting work and pay stuff like that from, from a bigger picture perspective. But ultimately it's, kind of just a big giant waste you know i totally agree with you as well um let's talk about uh your time in japan and you wrestling over in the tokyo dome what was it like going over your uh the japan and your experience um well i've been to japan times uh my uh my first time to japan was uh 2001 i went on an overseas uh USO tour with a bunch of wrestlers like Samu, One Man Gang, Honky Tonk Man, a bunch of old guys and like five or six of us from Southern California that were like green and we had just kind of started uh, catching a little momentum in, in, in the wrestling world in, in Southern California but uh, a year later I had tried out for New Japan Dojo, the original one, the Inoki one and uh I did three different tryouts for New Japan office people. Chono was one, Liger was one, and then Mr. Uai, who was Mr. Inoki's uh, booker at the time. And then uh, I got booked for New Japan uh, in October. This was like in July. He kind of came up to me and was talking to me and said, you know, that uh, he'll see me in Japan later this year. And I didn't really know how to take it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that'd be cool. And, uh, you know, Ends up turning out we were uh, we all got booked. Uh, Brian Danielson, Rocky, TJP, myself, and uh, we ended up going over in October. And they headed us instead of just coming in for the two week tour like Scott Norton came in for. We got brought in two weeks prior to 
that and actually got to work the dome, uh, which was technically like my first <laughs> my first match with New Japan was in the dome. So uh, it was exciting. I mean, like it was on my short list of things I really wanted to do, and I was three years into the business, and I was already kind of checking off the one at the very top. So it was uh, extremely nerve-wracking, needless to say. Like, it was sold out, like, right before we went out. We were the first match on the main show, and uh, Simon Inoki, Mr. Inoki's uh, son-in-law, came up to us and was like, oh, you know, it's completely sold out, 65,000 people, and the start of the show had just started, like, the pyro and everything, and we were getting on, like, a little bus to get to go take get taken to the front of the building to come into the entrance side and we we all three of us just looked at each other like with our mouths wide open like 65,000 and he's like yeah so don't screw up <laughs> he just turns around and walks away and we were like uh you know like you kidding <laughs> so it was very nerve-wracking like really once you got bumped around in the ring and you start moving everything you know kind of reset and go right back into what you what you know so um because we had trained so hard obviously for it so it was such a big deal um so we got moving it's just the build-up to it you know it's like it's like doing a fight uh like i did a couple mma fights like the the, the hardest thing is, is the, the the leading up to the, the the uncertainty the the fear of the unknown you know so once you got in the ring you start moving around you're like oh yeah like, this is what I do. Like, you know, it's like you're not even thinking about the people or the magnitude of the event or the fact that you're literally writing history as you with every movement, you know. <laughs> you don't really think about it until, like, much later when you kind of sit back and reflect, like, I did that, you know, or I really did that, you know. Or when other people look at it like such a huge accomplishment, you know. At the time, it's just like, I just don't want to mess up, you know. I just just don't get laughed out of the building or you know um you know i don't know don't, don't <laughs> basically don't fall flat on your face if, you, if you're jogging into the ring trying to look cool you know that's pretty good how did the fans react to you um they were pretty knowledgeable of of us um i mean they were aware of us at least like we were hyped up in the magazines a good amount the media all all summer long they were in and out of the Inoki Dojo, and the Inoki Dojo was was big news to New Japan fans. Um, basically, like how the Performance Center is to WWE fans, like they're very aware of it. So they came down and took a lot of pictures of us training all the time. Uh, took interviews with us, like you know, in August and you know, um, September, leading up to the October Dome show. So like. Some of the fans kind of already had pictures of us that they had clipped out of the magazines and made and blown up and stuff. And so, like, it was really cool. It was, I would say, the first time I kind of felt like like an actual real wrestler. Like, it was just like you go into the lobby and people come up to you and want your autograph, take pictures with you, you know. The, the fans are so respectful there. They, you know, they, they just thank you for coming, you know. They're like, thank you for coming. And in your head, you're like, you kidding me? Like, you know, like, this is my dream, you know, but they don't understand that. To them, you know, you're doing it for them. And, and in a lot of ways, we are, but, you know, we're also doing it for ourselves. So it's, uh, it's, it's the whole experience of my first New Japan trip will, will always be part of my, my greatest accomplishment because it's like, it's, it was always something I, I thought I would never do. So I put it on the very top of my list thinking, well, this will keep me going forever because I always thought I'd never wrestle Tokyo Dome. You know, that's where, you know, the greatest of the greats have wrestled, you know, and, and uh, I got to do it twice, so it was, it was pretty cool. Speaking of Japan, um, have you ever thought about, you know, going uh, overseas to any other countries to wrestle? Well, yeah, I mean, I wrestled in, in the U.K., in England, and, and Germany, and uh, I wrestled a year in Puerto Rico, and I uh, wrestled all over Canada and Mexico City, so I, I kind of wrestled all over all over the world. Uh, Guam, South Korea, and Seoul. Um, so I kind of I've covered a lot. I mean, I guess China. I haven't been to China. Would be one one place I've uh, never wrestled. But uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I wrestled all over, so I mean, uh, you know, getting out there and getting around there is, is not a big deal to me anymore. I mean, it is in, in, a, in a lot of ways, but uh, it's not an unfamiliar or, you know, uncharted territory that I've, I haven't been yet, so. Hey, who knows? Maybe there'll be some other countries out there that, um, like you were talking about, China and all that. Who knows? Maybe you'll go wrestle over in Thailand. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about your um, best friend and your uh, tag partner, uh, Rocky Romero. Um, how'd you guys get together and uh, train together, and how'd you guys come up with the Havana Pit Bulls? Well, uh, when I started... In Southern California, Rocky had already been training, and he had done a couple of matches already when I first started uh, training in the summer of 1998. So he had done like a couple like opening matches, like dark match type stuff, you know, um, with another smaller wrestler. They were just doing like some mask gimmicks, um, and we started training together, and he. He did a little bit of amateur wrestling, and I did a little bit more than he did. But uh, we we really just kind of like clicked style wise because we were both kind of smaller and faster. And but uh, uh, we were both real we're real technical on everything that we do, um, even when we train and, and work out and everything. So uh, we we just gelled well together as uh, as opponents, like training partners and stuff. So we really just clicked. And I would always go, he was on the shows, but we would both be there to set the ring up and, you know, the chairs and all that stuff. And, and I would kind of wait and hope to get a match and, and he was usually booked. So it was, it was, it was kind of those things where, you know, we would talk about what happened in the match and then work on it during practice all week. So we, we, we got close kind of quick just cause we had a lot of stuff uh, in common and then uh, he did a match where he lost his mask. So he came in a couple weeks later and was kind of asking, like, well, what am I going to do on the shows now? I lost my, my whole gimmick and character, you know. And uh, they had made a new tag team that was super popular uh, with all the fans, that, all, the, all the spots that we went to. They were really over, so, so they made them, like, tag team champions because they were so over. And then they were like, well, we need a heel tag team because the haystacks are, are, are leaving they were going like to canada or something and weren't going to be around for a few months so you know they kind of came to us and was like well you know why don't you guys be a tag team since, you know reyes doesn't have anything going so we kind of like all right well we're both puerto rican can we just be a puerto rican tag team and they were like uh jesse hernandez who was the promoter he was like no brother at the time, Savio Vega and Los Boricuas was on Monday Night Raw, and he's like, uh, Savio's a good friend of mine, brother. He sees that I got a Puerto Rican team. He's going to think I'm fighting his gimmick, and I'll get some heat. You know, don't do not do Puerto Rican. And then the other promoter was like, well, nobody likes Cubans. Uh, just be Cuban. And, and nobody likes you guys here. You know, he kind of pissed everybody off, so, so it kind of fits. You know, and they all kind of laughed it up, and... They were like, just be a Cuban tag team just for a couple months, you know, until the haystacks get back. And we were like, yeah, whatever. And it's, for us, it was just like, whatever's going to get us on the show, just, you know, I'll sign up twice, you know. So um, that's kind of how, like, that all started. So <laughs> we didn't start out as the Havana Pitbulls. They called us Los Cubanitos, which is <laughs> little Cuban boys, because um, <laughs> we were so small. And, uh, so we, we started that, and we're doing that for, like, you know, a year or two, whatever it was. And then uh, and then we went to this place called UPW, which was Ultimate Pro Wrestling, where, where John Cena was discovered and, you know, a handful of other uh, Southern California guys like Joe, Samo Joe, and, you know, and uh, a bunch of guys. But uh, we were going to do a tryout, Bruce Pritchard, Jim Ross, and maybe Michael Cole all came in to scout talent, and uh, and the promoter at the time, he goes, man, I can't present you guys to to Jim Ross as you know little Cuban boys. It doesn't doesn't look good. So he was like, you guys got to come up with something a little better, a little catchier. So he was like, I remember the one thing he wanted us to be called was Warrior, not the Warriors, 
but he wanted us to be called warrior. And his, his thought process was, well, you know, you guys are one, you guys wrestle as one because we were a really good tag team. Like even back then people knew that we got it. Like we, as a tag team, we wrestled for one purpose and was, you know, so he, he came up with that. And uh, I remember Rocky and I were on the phone one night and I said, I don't know what, what to call us or what names to come up with because we couldn't we didn't want to be called that but neither one of us had a better idea you know and finally he said I don't care if we're just called like we just bite the British Bulldogs and we were like the Havana I don't know pit bulls or something and I was like I'm cool with it and he was like really alright yeah I was thinking about that <laughs> I was like yeah man that sounds cool to me and we just kind of took it and ran with it and that was it. So that was maybe like mm, early 2002, maybe even 2001, we changed over to being the Havana Pitbulls. But um, yeah, that's kind of how we met and like the whole story of like becoming a team. It was really just kind of a makeshift team for the moment. And neither one of us are Cuban, but yeah, we're 20 years later, we're still Cuban. <laughs> so. Yeah, you guys, you guys um, were a pretty badass over at Ring of Honor. I mean, you guys were like former uh, tag champs as well. And right before this COVID nineteen was before it hit and ruined everything, I was looking forward to the Ring of Honor uh, past present show, where you guys were going to have a reunion. Yeah, I mean, we were both really excited for that um, for many reasons. Like we hadn't since. We, since I stopped taping Lucha, Lucha Underground finished um, a couple years ago, I hadn't seen Rocky since then. And when I would go down and stay in L.A. for the tapings, uh, we would catch up and just kind of be able to see each other a couple, few times a year. But uh, we, hadn't, we hadn't talked or seen each other in a, in a long time. So, And we were really looking forward to it. I, I know a lot of fans uh, were really looking forward to the whole show. Uh I remember somebody, one of the writers that has uh, some sites on Twitter was saying that when they announced our match, it was the most viewed tweet or something that he had about the show. And uh, it was the most hyped up thing that people were looking for. So it was really cool just kind of like knowing so many people were excited uh, to see us back together was was really cool. Um, So, yeah, I mean... we were really looking forward to it. it, it the on that was supposed to be the fourteenth, I think. Yeah, it was March. And on the twelfth, they emailed me. Uh, Ring of Honor emailed me that morning and said, "Do not get on the plane tomorrow. Um, the event has been canceled." And I was like, "Man, like right at the last. I mean, like the last second. I had I actually had my bag half packed, like <laughs> ready to go. And I was like, Oh, oh man. So that was pretty disappointing. I, I remember a lot of." Uh, some other podcasts uh, that I've done in, in the past couple months, like all of them said that, that we were the match everyone was kind of looking forward to just because uh, Bandito and Ray Horace were in it and it was probably going to be like, I mean, I'm sure it would have ended up being like a show stealer type of thing and that's just kind of how Rocky and I work anyways, but uh, yeah, I mean, we were both, everybody was really, really looking forward to it. I totally was, too, because I love Ring of Honor, and um, every year I would drive from Cincinnati up to Columbus to go see some Ring of Honor shows, and up there in Columbus, those were like the greatest shows ever. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those shows right now. Like I said, I'm having pro wrestling withdrawals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we all are, right? (laughs) Yeah, um, how did you get involved with um, uh, Luchador Underground? Underground? Um, well, I, I was always talking, uh, I've been talking with AAA for quite a few years, just kind of exchanging back and forth emails and trying to wait for a, a time where I could start working for the company. And for about three years, they were constantly telling me that they were working on a deal to run AAA, uh, Lucha Libre in, in, in the United States, like regularly. Yeah. So their pl- their plan was to have a, you know a U.S. A United States division, kind of like how New Japan has New Japan of America now. Yeah. Um, that that was their plan, like all the way back in like 
The reason why I liked about the show was it was like each episode to me was like a mini movie, like a cinematic, you know, like movie with a lot of action, action and plotting, which is uh, very good. That's one thing I liked about it. To me, it was just like mini films. Well, yeah, it was again. Um, each each character had a backstory. Like you, you know, if you were a fan of it and you followed it, you knew everyone's story. Yeah, because everyone's story was told. So each each time, every week was a very different different show. But you know, you followed along. If if you watched it every week, you you were going along for the ride you understood what was happening mm-hmm. but every show was very different yeah and um the sets were different you know um it, each character when they walked into the room there was a different feeling for every one person and sometimes i think i think like when i when i sit back and watch some old episodes every now and again i always think like i wonder if this is really what vince really wants like like if he saw this would he say, yeah, that's what I want? Because it's more movie set style of wrestling. You know, the, the wrestling was the backdrop of what was really happening. I mean, uh, the matches were great and everything, but they were more, the matches were more of a spectacle. There was never that really that classic wrestling type of match, you know? So um, it was kind of like, you know, every month it was set up where each guy kind of had a moment every month to like kill it you know it was always like a special attraction match and you know all of us kind of waited our turn until it was our turn and our storyline came to a climax and it was like all right you know we get to go out and be the show stealer tonight but um yeah it was it was in in that sense it was really unique because although you had a champion and you kind of had like the face of the company everybody had their moment where they were the main event and the main attraction on every show. So it was a lot of fun because there was no real, you know, um, jealousy of any kind or towards anybody in that locker room. It was all like, cause we all knew our storylines. We all knew where we were going for the most part each season. So we all kind of knew like, all right, wait till it's my turn, you know, wait till it's my turn. So, it was really cool in that sense, you know, like the, the, it was the most relaxed locker room I've probably ever been in, involved in just because everybody was at ease. We all knew that we were creating, we were really just writing out history because it's never been done before. There was never anything like this ever that was so successful, you know, like basically the end result was Lucha Underground became bigger than the network that we were on. So we outgrew the the network like they couldn't we you know they just couldn't contain us they they don't want to sell the rights to anybody else and and give it away they just want to kind of hold on to it and say yeah we have this and we did this and we invested in this and and that's that's their right but ultimately it it took away from from the wrestling fans you know um just them not wanting to like you know let us shop around and get onto another network which was at one time it was a very serious uh um, it, it, it was it was seriously talked about, you know, like all the producers were like, look, we got to get off here and we got to get to like an NBC or something that, that can contain this thing. And El Rey Network was like, no, this is ours and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and that's oh. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sucked because I really enjoyed it and I was sad it ended. Um, did you um, ever meet uh, Robert Rodriguez? Yeah, yeah, he came a few times and he shot a few of my my uh, vignettes and stuff and uh, some of our shows. He came and his, he had his band perform it live at one of the shows and then he ran one of the camera, the four cameras. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. Like, he would pop in, you know, everybody would be sitting around bullshit and then all of a sudden, boom, he'd be in there talking to some guys and, you know, and, and he'd shoot some stuff. And, but, uh, yeah, he was a really cool guy, man. Like, you know, he when he would visit, you know, he, uh, he'd come to the back and talk with everyone and hang out you know, he was just a really nice guy, you know, um, he just wanted, you know, I feel like he worked really hard, like, every time I saw him doing stuff, he was like, you know, he was really into it, he was really passionate about it, so, like, I think he really enjoyed Lucha Underground, because everyone that was on it, the fans, everyone that worked for it, was so passionate about it, you know, like, after that first season, we were like, man, like, this just caught fire, and for a guy like me, it was 
like I helped create that. Like, we all we all felt like that, you know. Like we all felt like, yeah, man, like we did it. Like we showed up, and no one knew what it was, what it was going to be, you know, what we were really doing. And we went out there and just tore the house down every night, and it turned into like for a while, you know, it was like the coolest thing to to see. You know, people that weren't even wrestling fans would watch it and be like, man, this is cool. Like this is so awesome, like, this is wrestling, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, uh, it's about wrestling, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, and Luchador Underground, I loved your matches with uh, Cisco. he's an interesting character. Yeah, um, we actually started together in Southern California, um, you know, like, uh, early, like, 99, 2000, we met in Anaheim, and, uh, yeah, he was a great character, it's funny because He's been wrestling for 20 years now, and he's always a babyface. He's never been a heel. And right when we were going to go out and beat up uh, Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma on the first episode, he was so nervous in the back. Like, he had never been a bad guy before. And uh, and I was like, you good? You ready? And he was like, I'm a little nervous. And I, I started laughing. I said, eh, I said, he had never done anything on, on that type of level either. So for me, it was just kind of like, it was exciting, but I wasn't nervous, you know, but he was nervous, like scared. And, uh, I said, well, I said, once you get out there and start doing your stuff, you, you'll be fine. And I said, just kind of like, you know, focus on character stuff because once the cameras shoot you, that's, what's going to tell the story. It's not what we do physically. It's how you look into the cameras and, you know, take them on. And he kind of like, well, I've never been a bad guy before. I like I like looked at him twice like what what? <laughs> he's like well I've never been a I've never been a heel like I've always been a babyface. I said why? And he goes because I wrestle as little cholo in Southern California fool. That's why babyface trying to sell my merch. And I'm like well you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like being the heel is the best part. Like you know you get to go in there and do what you want. So I was like all right. I said well just you know I said just kind of be slow and methodical. Once we you know hit the deal. And we stand there. I said, just try to think of bad thoughts in your in your in your head. That'll translate through your facials, and people will see that through your eyes on the screen. And he was like, "All right, all right." So I remember I just kind of left him alone because he's trying to like you know like kind of try to get into a zone of some kind. And we went out there and did it. It was great. And then the next night we had to wrestle, uh, you know, John Morrison and, and Prince Puma in a tag match. And I said, are you cool with this? And he's like, yeah. And I said, look, I said, just kind of follow my lead and work off what I'm doing during the heat. I said, so, you know, just think about when you're getting beat up, what guys have done to you, do that to them, you know? And he's <laughs> like, all right. So it, it took a little while for him to kind of get into that character mode because I'm such a good bad guy. Yeah, you are. He didn't want to be like, he didn't, he didn't want to be overshadowed by it. And I said, no, 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 you just got to, really it's a mindset like you really have to believe what you're doing is right and everyone else is wrong once you find that and, and mentally uh it translates through your your face your, your your facials you know and that's where you make people believe you you know it's not the moves so much it's the mannerisms in which you're doing the moves it's like uh you know you can go do a, a swinging neck breaker you can do it as a good guy or a bad guy the move is just the move it's irrelevant it's how you do it do you do it with with bad intentions do you do it you know out of desperation you know do you, you know all that stuff is is uh what characters development you know becomes you know that's how you have to learn that first the moves are a, a monkey can do what we do in the ring jumping and flipping and diving you know and everything else is is the monkey mad or happy you know that that's that's the, that's how you tell a story so for him it was it was it was cool because he got to experience something completely different and on such a high level he just kind of got thrown right into the fire and he killed it you know he was awesome you know so yeah it was um credit to him so and he's one of my best friends so it was, it was fun to be able to experience that type of stuff with him and kind of we'd go out there and beat the hell out of each other out of some guys and then go to the back and be laughing and giggling like little kids and they're like man, you wouldn't tell you guys are like this, you know, um, and it, when you, once that red light goes on, boy, you're, you're out there like killers, you know, and it's like, we kind of always joked and winked at each other, like, yeah, you know, that kind of feels good just when other guys that you respect, like John 
Morrison and those guys and PJ Black, when they come back down, they're like, bro, you killed it. That was awesome. And we hardly did anything, you know, but it was just the, how the, how the crowd believes you and, and the, the emotion that you can draw from the, from the fans and, and on television, you know, so it was fun. I bet it was. And how you talk about, you know, uh, Southern California a lot, um, that makes me homesick because I grew up out in California myself. Oh, really? Where at? Um, I grew up out in Bakersfield. Ah, okay, okay. I, I grew up in uh, in Fontana, California. Okay, like, I've heard of Fontana, yeah. We were talking about that. It's yeah. like, you're making me homesick. Now I'm in the Midwest. You're in Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's the worst, man. This cold weather is the worst. Yeah, Ohio has weird weather because you don't know if it's going to snow, rain, or be cold or super hot. <laughs> 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 but the one thing I like about Ohio is see, it's a hotbed for pro wrestling. There's a lot of big names that have came out of Ohio, too. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, um, let's talk about what you enjoy outside the ring. I know you have other interests. Um, growing up, um, you were a big Lakers fan, huh? Uh, I Yeah, I mean, I was, but... Um, I actually don't have any interest. I mean, besides working out, mm-hmm. besides working out, um, I don't really. I mean, I, I was a Lakers fan growing up, like with, you know the whole Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. you know Larry Bird stuff. Um, and growing up in Southern California, my dad was a Lakers fan, so I you know kind of just became one. But uh, once I I played a lot of basketball in junior high, and, and then when I first started high school. I was playing basketball, and then um, one day, my sophomore year, I just I woke up, and I was like, "Man, if I'm gonna be a pro wrestler, I gotta, I gotta go off for the wrestling team. Like, I gotta stop playing basketball because I was clearly not going to the NBA. So, I was like, and, and I always wanted to be a wrestler. You know, and I was always since I was five. That's all I ever wanted to do. So, I remember I just uh, I I started working. Um, like a Kmart or something mm-hmm. and I was saving money and I got a gym membership and I just remember like that was it I was like all systems go on on pro wrestling like trying to explain to my counselors and my parents and stuff like yeah I'm gonna be a pro wrestler when I get out of high school like they look at you like you got three heads you know it's like wait what and you're not going to college and I'm like hell no like <laughs> I didn't like school when it was free. It makes you think I'm going to pay for this shit. Like, you know, there's no way I'm going to college. Like, and I, that was just it. Like, there was no, there was no talking me out of it. Like, you know, my parents didn't understand it. And, and I went from playing basketball all the time, every day, I just stopped. And I was going to the gym every day, you know, and that, that was it. My mom was like, oh, you're going to play basketball? And I said, no, I'm going to, the, I walked down to the gym, like, and I'm like, I'm paying for this, you know, so I got to get big, I got to get big, like, that's all I would, I would, you know, constantly tell her, and started practicing with the amateur wrestlers at, at on the school team, and then when the season, when my junior year started, I, um, I just tried out for the team, and they had me on the practice squad, and, you know, when someone would get hurt or something, I would, I would be able to wrestle on a, on a meet, but that was it, like, I was, I was in amateur wrestling strictly only for pro wrestling because I used to see like Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner like suplex guys and like I just thought like those guys were the coolest guys because they were so jacked and so like scary looking and I was like man I gotta learn at least how to defend myself if anything like because I was so small so um yeah I kind of just stopped like I want to say 92 um when the Lakers lost to the Bulls, which was, what, 91, I think, uh, I was like, oh, man, and it was kind of like the whole Showtime era was kind of, you know, yeah. over, and it was like it was like Jordan's era had begun, and I kind of kept an eye on basketball a little bit, like, at least till the Dream Team, I was kind of still watching, and then that was it, I was just like, all right, like, you know, Magic's not playing, he's like, like owner or whatever the hell I was like I'm I'm done like and I just kept thinking to myself like I'm gonna be out of school soon and I gotta figure out how to be a wrestler <laughs> so all my all my attention you know and, and focus was on pro wrestling like 
and I had some very uncomfortable conversations with family members and stuff like, you know, and trying to explain to them that you're going to do this, you know, it's, it's difficult. So it was a, it was a, it was a struggle, you know. I bet it was since you've done so much in your career and been everywhere and um, been in great matches with a lot of, you know, great uh, professionals in the business. Where do you go from there? Well, I mean, I still have a handful of things I would like to do. You know, um, uh, Rocky and I accomplished a lot and went a lot of places together and it was great. And, um, you know, when you're a part of a team or group, you know, and you do some cool stuff, it's always great. But, you know, the selfish side of you still wants to do stuff on your own. So, like, that's what was fun about Lucha Underground was, you know, it wasn't, I didn't get hired because uh, I was a part of a good tag team or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, I was hired because they were like, yeah, you know, like, I had been made my own connection and, you know, um, I got to do stuff on my own, you know, uh, like the storyline with, with me and Joey Ryan as cops and stuff. That was all geared towards, you know, me allowing them, them allowing me to just kind of be more me and, uh, you know, and tell that story and stuff like that. So that, like, like that was always fun. And I felt like that was very rewarding because it was, the focus was on myself, What no matter what character I was playing, it was, it was, you know, for me as a singles wrestler. So like, I mean, I've, I've accomplished a lot. Like, you know, I was in Puerto Rico, you know, I got to win the, the world junior heavyweight title twice. I was never part of a team there, you know, everything, everything was for me. So that, that was fun. So like, for right now, like going back to Japan, but not going for New Japan, I'd like to like carve my own as myself, carve my own uh, way there. Like maybe for like All Japan, I feel like All Japan or Noah is more my style. So I'm a little bit more traditional, strong style wrestling with the junior heavyweights. Um, so I, I definitely would love to to wrestle in Japan for like you know a different company. Um, you know, and then you always got the buildings you still want to work in. Like, uh, I only got, you know, two more to check off the list. You know, the dome was at the top, and I kind of checked that off early. <laughs> and so I'd like to wrestle in the Budokan, and then I'd, I'd, I would like to wrestle in Madison Square Garden. So it's like, you know, you just, uh, you know, you, have, you make little goals and stuff, and then, and, and just being able to go out and, you know, perform every week the way I've been doing before all this started, like two, three shots every week, you know, traveling all over the country. And, and, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things, like if I wanted to get out of it, I feel like I, I, I really can't because people rely on me so much now, you know, I went from like wanting to be somebody to now, like where I needed wrestling before. I feel like wrestling needs a guy like me now to kind of just keep going around and like, you know, do seminars and help coach and uh, develop guys like, you know, so and have those matches with guys that are really, really good, but they just don't get it yet, you know, and then a guy like me, like, you know, I was there, I was really, really good, but I didn't get it yet, and I had a guy like Jushin Lager and Tiger Mask telling me, hey, here's how you do it, you know, and let's let's go out there and do it and let me show you, so it's like, you know, training with Mr. Inoki, Negro Casas, you know, wrestling and you know Samoa Joe and AJ Styles like you know I got to do all that stuff really early on in my career and then you you kind of develop stuff from every match or from every lesson that you learn you know and kind of realizing like man I'm kind of fishing with dynamite here because like I don't know I can go out into a match you know like in Lucha Underground you know high profile nerve-wracking situation and I'm you know, calm, cool, and collected, like, yeah, man, let's go out there and kill it, you know, I'm excited, I just don't get nervous, like, scared nervous anymore, I just get more and more amped up for it, because I know what I can do, and I know I'm about to do it, and, like, that gets me, you know, really excited, so, I mean, you can always make new goals, and as new people come along, you know, you can always, you know, make new 
memories and stuff and you know and create new obstacles for yourself so i kind of do that all the time you know i've always kind of done that for myself like i'm very self-motivated so it's like i could just think of something like man i'd really like to like a guy i'd like to wrestle you know would be this guy and i'm like man I, you know I, I'll, I'll train for that you know and kind of work myself towards that goal you know so you know kind of always and you never know what's going to happen especially now with wrestling so wide open you know, it's like you can, uh, you never know what the NWA is going to bring once this thing's over. Um, AEW, once they start running house shows and start getting out more, it's like what they're going to bring. You know, WWE basically has three full touring brands now. So it's like more opportunity there. You know, Japan, um, New Japan's so big. And then, you know, All Japan and NOAA are like at a close second, but, you know, they're kind of still growing off their home home base and stuff like that so it's like you know the opportunities are are still out there so and america's kind of a destination place for places in mexico and and japan you know the companies feel to be a global you know um brand they need to be in america so you never know what's going to happen here you know so where can everybody find you on social media um on twitter it's at ricky reyes zero one and then uh, I got you know Facebook would be Ricky Reyes, and then uh, Hey Ricky, thank you so much for uh, coming on, uh, sharing your story, and uh, being part of my podcast tonight. I really appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Um, everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. You can uh, follow me at Facebook at Robin Paul Nelson, at Twitter, Wrestle Popcast at Rob Kids. You can um, uh, subscribe to Wrestle Popcast Popcast at Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net. And you can also subscribe to my platforms iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Castbox. Everybody have a great evening. Good night.